Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on when it is you have tuned in to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. Back to you for episode two of season seven. And thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today on your preferred podcast platform, whether that is Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts, or iTunes. My name is Jamie B. Donnelly. I'm the host and producer, and we have a new episode dropping every Saturday from 5 pm, depending on your podcast platform. And each week, we have between four and five guests joining me to share their voices, their visions, and of course, their accents. And today is no exception. We're starting off in Canada, coming back to Ireland, then taking a trip across to England, up to Glasgow in Scotland, before returning to me here in Dublin, Ireland. We had a great reaction to our first episode of Season 7 last week, and if you tuned in, you'll have noticed that each week we are featuring a recently published or soon-to-be-published collection. And last week, our first episode of Season 7, it was Andy Brackenridge and his debut full collection, The Fish Inside, which was published by the brilliant Dragonfly Press. And my copy just arrived this week, so I cannot wait to go fishing. Huge congratulations once again to Andy. Now this week of course we have another new collection of the week but more about that a little bit later on. Today we are packing words into sentences that you carry across the many miles you have to go through. We have dust bowl people with skin like crazed hard pan, aches that leave you riddling in agony. We resonate with the rhythm created in the soul while wishing that words could have been thrown at us so we could bat them back. We have five guests on the podcast today, so I suggest you find your cosy corner, a selected spot in the garden, or maybe we are company for a long drive or an early morning run, and we get to be the company you keep. This is Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. I'm Damien B. Donnelly, hoping that you have a snack for the journey and trusting you will all enjoy the show. Today we are heading over to Canada to hear from the 2019 to 2023 Poet Laureate of Owen Sound in Ontario on the territory of the Sagin First Nation. He is a songwriter, performer, poet and the artistic director of the Words Aloud Poetry Festival. His work has appeared in places like Ark, Prairie Fire, The Maynards, he's been a Best of the Net nominee, a John Newlove Award winner and a Don Gutteridge Award winner. He has two books forthcoming in 2023, Wait What from Wet Ink Books and A Current Through the Flesh from Mansfield Press and his one-person show Butterfly Tongue hits the stage this month. I am delighted to welcome to Eat the Storms the co-editor 
Whitpen Kemp of Poems in Response to Peril, an anthology in support of the Ukraine. This is Richard Eve Satoski. Well, hello, everybody in poetry land. This is Owen Sound, Ontario, Canada, poet laureate Richard Eve Satoski here with a great big thanks to Damien and the Eat the Storms Poetry Podcast for this. And by the way, I don't know if others have mentioned this, but Eat the Storms is an absolutely fantastic name for a poetry podcast. Just an amazingly evocative image there. So, uh, Poems I'm going to read you today, or uh, do for you today, come from my pamphlet, which is titled How to Be Human. Uh, and if you're interested in that, you can just hit me up uh, in the links, which I'm pretty sure uh, Damien's going to provide. So the first is A Man of Parts. The moon, they say, only looks bigger when it's close to the horizon. But this morning, I say it truly is bigger swollen at the end of its shift like a factory worker's ankles. Meanwhile, birds I can't identify begin their programming day, and this lake that likely has a name is getting choppy, hinting at what the wind could do if it made an effort. This is worth drinking Nescafe from a thermos for, as I fish for trout I wasn't taught to clean by a man who wasn't taught to show me. He was too consumed with the sheer act of angling, not because it lent itself to meditation, but to rumination on a lifetime of real and made-up slights. I often felt relief he didn't live for hunting, that he didn't go in for guns but was maudlin on the subject of Bambi. In fact, the only time I ever saw him cry, he was in his cups, and sat us down on the living room floor, campfire style, and gushed for an hour on the beauty of white-tailed stags, their grace of motion, perfect senses, moral superiority, and of course their rack, which followed the progress of love, hardening under skin to become a weapon that dropped away when its season was done. Now, this next poem is called How to Be Human. It's the title piece. There was a woman who gave birth to an earthquake with your name on it. Whenever you get out of bed, you take out half of San Francisco. I've been accused of being a tornado before by people who look like leveled trailer parks, their homes ripped open in a gesture of, why me? My cousins are droughts over farmland, dust bowl people with skin like crazed hardpan. I was seduced by a monsoon once. She came on to me so hard the drops looked like missiles blowing up concrete. I was best friends with a melting ice cap. We went to parties and he'd calve a bird to watch the game while the rest of him scudded off in search of ships to crush. I was best man at a wedding between a geyser and the tides. They divorced within a year, each finding the other unpredictable. I'm afraid to meet your father. What does one say to global warming? I'm glad you never met mine. Poor K.T. Meteor. Such a bum deal out of life. I'd await his calls with trepidation, 
on days when I kept the blinds down, when the world was too much with me and rubble was my only friend. And now a little piece entitled What I Bring to the Table, which is not my conversation, a collage of scraps overheard from restaurant patrons, nor my mind, which, if a river, is teeming with carp. It's not my will to live, once likened to a pickup truck that runs okay, but gets shit mileage. Not my wind, abounding in gamma rays like down from a burst pillow. Not my solar system, with subway stops on planets you wouldn't be caught dead on after dark. Not my feet, worn down from stopping the Flintstones car of my urge to escape. Not the palms of my hands, the lifelines ending abruptly, like a heartbeat when a stethoscope is cut. But my love, which fits you tight as shrink wrap, which fits you like a throat fits a scalding draft of coffee, or a duffel bag wads of cash, which possesses you, holding you suspended, like the notes of Let's Get Lost in Chet Baker's Broken Jaw. And moving on once again, here's this uh, little piece that I like to call Air Kiss. Uh, and this was a contest winner, so i um, quite proud of this one. The sun behind the clouds is a child hidden in the drapes with feet in plain view. Happiness is manifest today. That couple suffering each other on account of the kids bickers like gulls and it rouses my smile from a summer torpor. I feel no guilt. That's consigned to cults practiced by the sick. I repeat, nothing will eclipse my happiness today. That old man on the bench, he knows it. He reads hope in the tiger stripes painted by that burning man Guinevere on his granddaughter's face, and thinks back to his own brush-cut youth, where each new day was a bicycle you jumped on and rode till the tires blew. The little girl hands him her kite, a tame pterodactyl, then bolts to the monkey bars weightless with laughter. Would he sell me the kite, I wonder? A storm is coming. And there's something I'm dying to try. All right, and in the time I have left, uh, just leave you with a little, little tiny itty bitty thing. It's called Every Poet Should Have a Cat and Write At Least One Thing About It. Here's mine, and that's the title, which is longer than the piece. My cat is so playful and rambunctious, he often draws my blood. I suppose that makes him a poet, too. All right, my friends, thank you very, very much, and have a great day. We are returning to Dublin here in Ireland and welcoming a much-beloved returning stormer back to the show. 
Not only has she been an exceptional guest in the podcast, she was also a sublime contributor to the inaugural issue of The Storms, with a poem in it that ended up being one of our Pushcart Prize nominated poems. She has an MA in Creative Writing from DCU, also studied creative writing and poetry in UCD and Oxford Online. She's been published, like I said, in The Storm's Journal, in Poetry Ireland Review, selected by Ivan Boland, recently in Washing Windows from Ireland House, Beyond Words Literary Magazine in Germany, The Galway Review and The Irish Times. She won the Jonathan Swift Award and has been presented with the Deirdre Purcell Cup at the Maria Edwidge Literary Festival. It is an honour to welcome back to the podcast and also reading that Pushcart Prize nominated poem from the inaugural issue of The Storms. This is the sensational Doreen Duffy. First of all, I would like to thank Damien so much for inviting me back to eat The Storms. This is such a thrill for me. The first poem I will read today is called The Line That Divides the Sea and Sky. It was published in the Storms Journal, Issue 1, and I was beyond delighted that Damien B. Donnelly nominated it for a Pushcart Prize. I wrote this poem for my best friend in the world. The Line That Divides the Sea and Sky I will take you to the sea, and when we reach the water's edge, I will pull the rowboat down and help you step inside. And we will laugh so hard, because this is all so hard. When our smiles subside, we will push out on the waves. You can tilt your face toward the summer sky. Reflect your eyes the deepest blue and dream white horses riding by. And in that way you do, you will tell me not to cry. And then you will remind me, this is only for a while. When we reach the line where the ocean falls away, the Wind will whip and drown our screams and lift us out of the deep. We will let the waves support us, carry us ashore. On sand of glass and seashells, we'll feel pain like nothing before. Each sparkling grain, a jagged blade, will lacerate our hearts. Our footprints deep behind us will continue to make their mark. We'll turn and look towards the line that divides the sea and sky. And then we will remember this is only for a while. My second poem was published by Eileen Casey in The Lee Green Down, an anthology of response poems to Patrick Kavanagh's work. This poem is filled with lines of memory from when I was very young and at home with my mom. The Garden on Shafcombe Road Out through French doors where pools of sunshine lay I ran on small feet calling your name. You were in the doorway, turning the mangle, 
your face warm with effort, pulling sheets and blankets. My dad hung a swing so I could play beside you. You'd things on your mind. I kicked my legs, soared higher and higher. In and out of the kitchen, your quick, quick slow of a dancer. You tread rows of stitches across the yard behind you. I kicked harder, my eyes dizzy skywards, past pink and red like dinner plates that hung on the climbers. Year by year, those roses climbed to the top of the wall, tumbling over the long garden wall that led out to the lane, growing smaller. I eased the back gate in place one last time, inhale the glance of roses. Peonies, your favourite scent, stay in my mind, and your hands red raw as they reached up, untied the swing from the frame. My next poem is also about my mom. In her later years, she had dementia and I looked after her, which was a privilege because she had done so much for me throughout my entire life. This poem is called Winter Hands. Watch as they turn the hands of the clock forward to welcome in the spring. See their tired paleness, nails split and uneven. Older now than the last time, when they gently creaked the hands of time backwards, when we entered this bleak winter, not knowing what was in store. A few more lines and veins, a little more pronounced, a little more like my mother's. That's okay. If my winter hands can be as strong as hers and carry as many burdens but still know how to reach out and touch and pass the cup of tea that warms out the coldness of fear and placed upon an arm lend the lightest pressure that lets me know she's always here. If my hands have learned this skill, then I am happy, winter or summer. I wrote my next poem in response to one of my favourite operas, Madame Butterfly, an enduring tale of unrequited love. It's called Inside the Shadow Box. The first drop of black on an ocean of white writes pain on her skin. A story about who she might have been. All along her spine, a book of who she wished she could have been. Across each hip, angel's wings. Only for love is all she breathes. The birth of a blonde-haired son, her heart sings. So she waits, through sunrise and three years of shade, till one fine day she decides she would rather die than live with her true love's betrayal. White powdered tears cut through her veins. 
She holds her son close till he can hardly breathe, tells him to remember her face in his dreams. With a blindfold of silk, she stops him from seeing, tilts her head to the moon, clutches the blade, draws it deep, lets music escape, the shrill notes of love bringing death and peace. Her wings tremble until their last note. She hears his voice call her, but it is too late. My final poem has just this weekend been published in Washing Windows 3 by Arlen House. I think as writers we spend a lot of time reaching for just the right words, but sometimes when the need for words is so great and so personal to us, it can be difficult. Perhaps custodians are who we really are. My poem is called The Word Caretaker. It wasn't in the leaving or the ticking of the clock when it was time to go that almost killed me. But the effort of trying to pack words into a sentence that you could carry across the many miles that you would go. I wanted words that were weightless, no excess baggage for your trip, gentle soothing words you could lay your head against to rest. Soft pillows of words to wrap your arms around, words to hold you tight, keep you buoyant in swollen waters reflecting clouds of cotton white. Words to stretch over a sky of sunset scarlet silk to brush against your skin in blue evening breezes while over here I hold my breath. Thank you again, Damien, for all that you do for poets all over this world. You are incredible. And thank you to everyone for listening to my work here today on Eat the Storms. I am so pleased to welcome back my next guest to the podcast. He is a returning guest, but this time he is here to promote his new poetry pamphlet, which was just published last month by the brilliant Hedgehog Poetry Press called Benchmarkers, and it is our collection of the week. He is a Pushcart-nominated poet and now a celebrated reviewer with two Saboteur nominations for Reviewer of Literature. He is the author of two collections, four pamphlets and two conversational poetry pamphlets with Sarah Thompson, Thinking of You and a Hostile Environment, along with the exceptional Sardage from 2019, Psychopathogen from 2020 and Unmuted from 2021, all published by Hedgehog Press. He has been shortlisted for several national competitions and his poetry has appeared in a wide range of journals and anthologies and he is an active member of the Open University Poetry Society. 
Heading over to England now, I'm delighted to hand you over to the author of our poetry collection of the week, Benchwarmers. This is Nigel Kent. I'm Nigel Kent, and I'm so pleased to be invited back by Damien to the Eat the Stormers podcast. This time I'm going to read you a few poems from my new pamphlet, Benchwarmers, published by Hedgehog Poetry Press in April of this year. I'll start with the title poem that I hope will give you a flavour of the pamphlet as a whole. Benchwarmers. They live their lives in corridors, faces pressed against the frosted glass of classroom doors. The weary boys from the estate who wear disaffection like their team strip. The boys who lost life's toss the moment they were born. Condemned to play a game they know they'll never win, always away from home with rules they'll never master. They are the own goal scorers, the penalty kick fluffers, the red carded walkers, the bottom of the league boys, relegation certainties for this and every season. The pamphlet, as you've probably worked out from that poem, focuses on those at the margins of society, life's outsiders, the disenfranchised. The next two poems are influenced by my professional life, spending classrooms working with children with a diversity of needs that made school life both challenging and alienating. The Invisible Man You pass me in the street today without a flicker or a glance. I was your classmate a silhouette in the shadows of sunbright memories. I was the boy forced grown in the dark with the pale complexion, who faded in the glow of attention that made the rest of you shine. The boy who ached for someone to loosen the ties of shyness. I was the one who sat alone in the double desk near the door, audience to your banter, that banked from boy to boy to boy, but never in my direction. How I wanted you to throw me a word that I could bat back. Even a sharp word would have cut a hole in the solitude to pull me through. But you never did. You never did. Not then and not today. The Flight of the Caged Bird She arrives at the first signs of summer, a solitary migrant bird fluttering through the door, settling warily at a desk by the window, eyes fixed on the horizon beyond the bars of the blinds. Her untamed hair falls forward, unable to curtain her from the cruel curiosity of the other kids who prod and poke with jibes as sharp as whittled sticks. I try to lure her out with questions, but she's taken flight into silence, where she glides on warm thermals, 
over the village green where the caravan is parked, to the nearby woods where a feast of ink caps, yoki chanterelles and wild garlic grows, where loud foxgloves and dog violets bark for attention, and where the trees link their arms and sway to a chorus of black caps, finches, chiffchaffs and thrushes singing of a time before clipped wings and cages. I'm going to finish with a poem that actually concludes the pamphlet. I guess the poem ends the collection on a hopeful note. With love, attention and education, we can empower such children to find a way forward and overcome life's challenges. The poem's called Full Chat. Full Chat is biker slang for the sound of a motorcycle engine at full throttle. Full Chat. He wasn't like his former mates from the estate, who customised their speech to piss off parents and pull the girls, with inits and isits, dreads and bloods, jams and fans. He favoured vintage, employed the model passed down to him, dedicated himself to knowing its components, to learning how they work, to fueling it from second-hand classics and textbooks, in anticipation of that moment, that precious moment, when for the first time he would open up the throttle, feel the surge of power and speed away, not looking back. Thank you. My penultimate guest on the show today is joining us from Glasgow in Scotland and is sharing with us two prose poems. She is a writer, actor and a human rights activist. Her novel Vandalism was published by Merlin Publishers in 2015 and was shortlisted for the National Book Prize in Malta where she lived for 12 years and it was also selected as one of the best books of 2017 by a Glasgow branch of Waterstones. Her first novel was called Duende and you're going to hear a prose poem today relating to that. She has had short stories, flash fiction and poetry published in places like Penning, Declarations on Freedom for Readers and Writers from the Scotland Street Press in 2020, the Edwin Morgan Centenary Collection, Story Nook, Free Flash Fiction and Swim Press. I'm delighted to welcome, for the first time, to eat the storms, Lizzie Eldridge. My name's Lizzie Eldridge, and I'm based in Glasgow. The following is what I'd describe as a prose poem, and it's called Convergence. Your words fell like rain, splintered my heart with the weight of weeping tears. An old-fashioned music drenched the two of us, as all the perpendiculars of our existence flooded the whole town. Silently, you lay back down. There should have been thunder, 
a flash of lightning, some slight movement of the earth to signal a momentous shift between before and after. The people continued sleeping in their narrow beds in all the narrow streets of this narrow town, which proudly claimed its insignificance in the grander scheme of things. The cobbled lanes were soaked right through, but no one budged an inch. The crisscross of paving stones remained crisscrossed. The gutters spluttered on the pile-up of sodden leaves. The drains were laden down with mud. Caught in the crossfire, years of retribution collapsed against your chest. Your body folded back inside itself. You sighed. A few drops spat against the window and traced their weary journey down. The darkness was palpable. The rattle of your breathing was swallowed up by the rhythm of the raindrops as, angry at being ignored, rapid quickfire pelted arrows against the shaking glass. Attack comes out of nowhere. Standing at the foot of the bed, my disbelief hovered over you. Our angular shapes formed a perfect letter L for what should once be love. Its shadow, stark against the wall, engulfed the two of us. Submerged within that fragile silence of aching aftermath, fingers wrapped incessantly against the window, pointing out each memory, each sullen stalemate when we stood up instead of down, each moment when our faces turned away with that stubborn refusal to meet each other's gaze, every furious insistence that this time, this time, it would be the last. The storm raged. The town slept. Yawned out like the cat who got the cream, you closed your eyes indifferent to what the dawn might bring. Reckless, the rain battered its unforgiving way across the rooftops, the factories, the huddled bars and empty play parks where, in the morning, children would fill up these spaces with laughter. The second story that I'd like to read is connected to a novel that I wrote I've written two novels. One of them is called Vandalism and it's set in the home city of Glasgow. But it was picked up and it was published by a Maltese publisher because I lived and worked in Malta for 12 years. It was also shortlisted for a National Book Prize there. It's available on Amazon so it's quite easily accessible. The second novel is called Duende and it's quite a different kind of book. It's about the lives and the love between two gay men, an artist and a philosopher, living in the shadow of the Spanish Civil War. So this second story connects very much with the title of this book and the themes that are in the novel. The story is called All That Have Dark Sounds. It isn't something you can touch, although you can feel it, shivering its way through the whole of your body. Trembling, you gasp unable to find words, a pulse which steps to the beat of the entire universe, a force which races through your veins, courses through your blood, so you know in that moment you are very much alive. There is a dancer, a musician, a painter, a poet, and then suddenly the rapture. 
the sense of being carried high above your head before swooping down with wings. Delirious, yet conscious from start to end and wanting so much that this should never stop. You are lilted. You are plucked like an Irish harp. You quiver, you shudder. You breathe in deeply and you breathe out on an eternal, elongated sigh. Mysterious and inexplicable, mischievous and impish, vibrant and bringing tears to your eyes, this is the soul that is speaking. This is the soul that is listening. This is the soul vibrating with the then, the now, the yet to be, the age-old yearnings of an ancient long ago. Surging up through the depths of the body, through the roots of the earth, not one small acre of this world remains untouched. Swooning and dancing in the arms of death, it is that struggle, that true and primal struggle, on the knife edge of extinction, the risk of hurtling fast and helpless from that harsh and jagged cliff. The life force, the death force, face to face and round and round, dizzy, giddy, this glittering hallucinogenic hall of spinning mirrors, this sweated conflict, that last mad waltz, this tender waiting shoulder where death comes to cry. I, 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 I want you in that silent bar where all talking has ceased. I, 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 oh sing my love and never sorrow. All that have dark sounds have duende. All that have dark sounds. And that ache, that ache, in releasing that which can never be suppressed. That ache, that ache, which leaves you writhing in agony on the ground, becoming water. Balm of oil in your soft and crumpled hand. Embraced by beauty in its melancholic guise, wrapped up and calmed and hushed and soothed. Throw down that bouquet of lilies and bury yourself up to the waist in mud to help those who are searching for lilies. That miraculous torment of living, loving and dying at the self-same time. Poetry is there. It's there in everything. It's in the monstrous. It's in the sublime. The formless must by necessity take shape. All that is solid melts into air and it evaporates. You call it by its name. All you thought you knew grows dim and yet you know what you can't see. All that have dark sounds have to end day, and you bathe your thankful body 
in its haunting melodies. today on E to the Storms, I have the fantastic spoken word artist joining us for the first time. Though I met her recently in person at the casino in Marino for Poetry Day Ireland, where she was there to support a former guest on the show, the incomparable Jimbo, aka James William Dillon. She is a self-proclaimed independent spoken word artist and noir writer who haunts the streets of Dublin for a living, paving her own poetic path, leaving stories of strength and resilience in the hearts and minds of those who stop by to listen. Her performances have seen her grow from Dublin stages to the Electric Picnic and Spoken Word Paris in just under two years, and you are about to see why. So settle down and prepare yourself for a journey through the strange mystery of human nature. This is the Vagabond Queen, a.k.a. Anne Condon. Good afternoon all at Eat the Stones podcast. My name is Anne Condon and I go by the Vagabond Queen. First of all, I would love to say a huge thank you to Damien for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on today. And I'm going to start off with a piece, a love poem called in the arms of a prophet. Ancient knowledge dripped its wisdom from the ink within my heart. Turning pages on the moonlight by small flames illuminating the dark. See, I felt something coming and something strong within my bones. And inside my inner knowing, I knew that into this temple, your presence would soon enter my home. And so I've lost myself in the stories Held in the great tones of your blue eyes And outside the lines of time I stand And I watch two lives as they collide Oh, mystified You know I can't hide This infinity that I feel for you This infinity that I feel inside So we share our art And we speak our ink and we tell of the tales of how we've risen up from beneath. A breathtaking harmony and our fire that is one. Our hearts beat in time and in unison beneath the want of this morning sun. And this divinity it transcends me. Into them realms that I have only ever felt alone. You see I come wrapped in them words of poetry and resonate with the rhythm created from your soul. We are both etched with that seeing eye of destiny and an energy that electrifies yet it lovingly flows. In the arms of a prophet is an open heart. He offers new pages and chapters for a queen to grow. So my next piece is called The Cage Board Can Always Sing. In a candlelit city where the glimmer man dreams, I too long to lead a life of my own choosing. 
with no more cuts and no more bruising from the shadows who hunt me. And just like the glimmer man, I too awaken before the sight of the rising sun and I take a look at how far I've come. Yet I hang my head in silence for I dread the day beneath the hand of another is where I feel numb. And this soul is distorted. It's destroyed and it's tied with by the masters who control these strings. And upon my clip wings whispers lay and whispers dream of rebirth and an awakening. But a caged bird can always sing. And so my heart too is in a state of emergency. I keep my light switched off and my gas burning low in fear who I've become knocking at my front door. See the enemy lurks between the shadows and drops the dread of a new day upon my shelter, my temple and my home. So how am I to live when my life is not my own? I dream of a life beyond this unforgiving sea where my teeth no longer grind in my sleep or weep upon a feathered pillow where I should slumber easily or my guilt to carry for them lives that I've helped to rob and no more throbbing this pain in my chest chased by the hounds and the sounds of death well I will not be bound to the pennies that are thrown at me for the hard walk that puts me into the ground. Because I see them porcelain, smiling, envious faces. And they cannot hide their intentions behind clear and obvious lenses. And my senses have been swallowed. This last thread is broken. And I will not wallow for my final word will be spoken. And I will follow the avenue away. From the greed of deceptional hands. Because if the glimmer man can extinguish the flame and illuminate the way towards a life of his own choosing, then I may too. For my life is mine to choose, and I have nothing to lose but those chains that have binded me. So my last piece that I'm going to say for you is all about breaking free and it's called Evolution of a Writer. A roaring and a deafening silence will loom all around me and I watch time secretly echo its story as it crawled across them plain unwanted walls. Stuck inside the four corners of a void that I unmercifully dragged myself into. Playing out my rhythm of a discarded descent. And I fell into an abyss. The abyss where a thousand eyes peer and they illuminate space. And I was lost inside a shadow. A place I thought he already faced. 
lies lost inside my shadow. Place where Tyler already escaped. And I became a shell of everything I was ever meant to be. I became weak and fragile, something that I never wanted to see. And I awoke each day disheartened to that chaos of bedlam that controlled my life. But I watched a small flicker of a flame born brighter. As I watched the ink spill onto the pages that evolved me into being a writer. So an odyssey grew before me. As I rebuilt my kingdom and I took back my stolen glory. And amongst that noise, I bet another debt. I came up from them gallows and refused to take my last breath. Because don't you see? I am the voice of my voiceless past. I have taken my nightmare and I have turned it into my craft. And I've emerged from them shadows, them shadows that I've sat past and I have come to tell my story. And I won't stop until my last draft. Thank you very, very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you soon. And so today, before we finish up, I'm going to leave you with one poem of my own. This is a poem I wrote last year in November while staying at the Tyrone Guthrie Retreat in County Monaghan. And this is called The Single Shoe That Stood on Top of a Tall Boy. That red stiletto, singular, sat on top of a walnut tall boy. Upstairs in porcelain, unportable. You gave it to me to give to a girl when I was seven or eight or ten, perhaps. Doesn't really matter. Didn't stop me being a fairy. I'd given it to you. A typical childish tatty gift. Single small shoe in porcelain, unportable. I gave it to you, who gave it to me to give to her, who ended up giving something else to someone else. Something I didn't want. Not at seven or eight or even now so far from ten. So I brought it back home and one day bought a plant and filled the porcelain shoe with soil and substance. It sat for a time in the living room, 
On top of the telly, over the orange and brown carpet, trying to blend in with all those rhinestones of Dallas and Dynasty there, in the depths of a Dublin suburb. The plant died, of course, for the porcelain wasn't a pot, and the shoe returned to the upstairs tall boy until it fell and smashed. And that was how it found its purpose. After breaking, we mounted the heel on the wall of the shed and used it as a hook to hold a key. The key to this poem is to hold out for the break. afternoon or morning with us here at Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast as we just reach the end of episode two, season seven. Thank you so much to my terrific guests here today. They were Lizzie Eldridge, Anne Condon, Doreen Duffy, Richard Eve Satowski, and the author of our collection of the week, Nigel Kent. And Nigel's poetry pamphlet, Benchwarmers, published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press last month, is available to buy now from nigelkentpoet.wordpress.com. And there is a link to that on today's blog post, which you can find over at www.eatthestorms.com. Just click on the link to the Listen to the Podcast section, and there you will find a blog post for every episode. And in that post, you will find guest bios, photos, and websites and social media handles, so you can find, follow, and then be their fans. Now, I would also like to say a huge thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in last week, this week, next week, or whenever it is you have turned over to one of your preferred podcast platforms, whether that is Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Overcast, Player FM, Podcast Addicts, or iTunes. Now, if you are a poet, prose writer or visual artist, submissions are currently open for The Storms Issue 3 or Journal of Poetry, Prose and Visual Art supported by the Fingal Arts Office. Myself and my extraordinary sub-editor, Nithi Kassa, are growing more and more excited as the submissions roll in. For issue three, we have a 3-0 theme. It's Shelter, Sanctuary, Sanctum. So dive deep and submit soon. You have until 11.59pm on the 24th of June. Now, tomorrow night over on Zoom, there is a nine pens lunch. This time, it's Invisible Continents, the latest from the nine series anthology. It's with Leslie Kirwin, Tamina Maula, and Jane Orr Rogers. That's 7 p.m. GMT over on Zoom. And on Tuesday, the 30th of May at 7.30 p.m., Flight of the Dragonfly is back in the Zoom room, and this time the special guests are Anila Arsad Mahmood and Stephen Smythe. And as always, a stunning set of open mic guests. 
And while we're here, let's give a shout out to former Eat the Storms guest, Paul Stevenson, whose new poetry collection, Hard Drive, is now out with Carcanet Books, and there is a pre-order discount. So get yourselves over to carcanet.co.uk and use the code HARDDRIVE25. Now, that's all from this edible storm today. And by this, I mean the storm and not me. Thank you so much again to my guests, to you, the listeners, and for me for putting it together. We will be back with you again next week. So until then, have a wonderful week of sun, surf, smiles, or snow, depending on where you are in the world. You've been incredible once again. And until next time, make sure that you all stay bloody poetic. Oh, thank you.